Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. Quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from Quince. Ooh, Mm -hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter or or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14-karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Hello, and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I'm Dori Shafrir. I'm Kate Spencer. And we're not experts. No, we aren't. But we are two friends who do like to talk a lot about serums. This is true. And just a little business to go through before we really get into it. You can always visit our website, forever35podcast.com, for links to everything we mention on the show. You can follow us on Twitter at forever35pod, on Instagram at forever35podcast, and you can join the Forever 35 Facebook group where the password is serums. And, 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 if you are listening to this on the day that it airs, Wednesday, April 14th, 2021, our newsletter is launching tomorrow. I should say relaunching tomorrow. So... If you want to get in on that newsletter goodness, which, trust me, you do, you can sign up at forever35podcast.com slash newsletter. 
Um, if you if you were a previous subscriber, you still are subscribed. You don't have to sign up again. Yeah, and basically, like if you like the vibe of this show, it's just us in written form in your inbox. Exactly. Which, like, who wouldn't want that? I mean, I I can think of a few people who might not, and you know, really? that's their sure. Hmm. Well, fine. my ex boyfriend. <laughs> The what person who called us, him. <laughs> oh, if I like signed him up yeah, myself, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, I can think of a few people I should do that too. I mean, you know, I'm someone... subscribed to our newsletter. Yes, I am. Yes, I am as well. I'm, okay, I'm looking good. forward to it and I'm yeah, looking good. forward to writing it as well. Can I ask you a question that like isn't a podcast topic, but yeah. it's in the front of my brain? What do I cook for dinner tonight, Dory? Oh. Wait, just, should we should we remind people about our voicemail and text number and then get to your dinner? <laughs> oh yeah, cuz you can call and text us and tell tell us what to make for dinner. Okay, why don't I tell you? Sorry, I just got distracted by my hunger pains. If you want to reach us, we have a voicemail and a text number. It's 7815910390. You can email us or send us a voice memo at forever35podcast at gmail.com. And hey, if you enjoy listening to this show, we sincerely and deeply appreciate a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps. It helps us out uh, in terms of promoting the show and and acquiring more listeners. And um, you will forever have our gratitude for that. So thank you. Now, back to the matter at hand. (laughs) Now, more importantly. More importantly. Okay, Kate. What do I eat? Well, what is is in your fridge and pantry? (sighs) I roasted a chicken last night. Okay. That like, of course, I roasted the chicken. Then my kid was like, "I don't like chicken." It's like, I see you eat chicken like once a week. Okay. I I think and so in my brain, I'm like, could I make some sort of like chicken enchilada casserole thing? Maybe. I think what I really want is a private chef mm, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. doesn't cost money. So okay, okay. that's not possible. Right. I'm just sick of cooking. Thanks for working through that with me. That was not my topic that I wanted to discuss. I mean, more importantly, there is a Sephora sale happening at the time of this episode airing, and that's where my focus lies. Let's talk about it. But I also need to feed myself and my family. Okay, well, look, it's Sephora sale time. There's part of me that's like, why right now am I even spending any money, period, much less on makeup when I don't tend to wear it a ton if I'm not seeing other people. But I want stuff. Okay, let's talk about what you want. Okay. I want to try something that previous Forever 35 guest, June Diane Raphael, recommended the Charlotte Tilbury Flawless Filter. And they have it in a mini size. So I was going Mm. to get that to just try it. Okay. Okay. Then... The Kat Von D, who is a very problematic person, but is not associated with this brand anymore. I think it's now just called KVD. Anyway, so I I feel kind of okay about giving them my money again. They have something that another Forever 35 guest, Kate Kennedy, was using on her Instagram called Good Apple Foundation Balm. And and apparently, it's like a very popular makeup item. So it's always sold out. Okay. Right now they have what I think is my color, but I'm afraid it's going to sell out throughout the sale. So, but that's in my cart. 
Okay. Now, this is in my cart, but I don't know why I put it in there, but I'm still going to buy it. Like, I don't, it's just been sitting in my cart for a long time, and I don't know what was the impetus that made me be like, I need this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Westman Atelier Baby Cheeks Blush Stick. This is Gucci Westman, correct? I believe so. Who did we just have on? Oh, uh, Kayleen Schaefer. Maybe she used, talked about it? Yes, she uses something from Gucci Westman. I, I literally looked at it and I was like, oh, I must have, there must have been a reason I put this in the Sephora cart, but I don't know what it mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it looks appealing. Then I'm going to load up on some fragrances. Okay. Now, they don't sell my main fragrance, which is Bronze Goddess. But I'm going to try two other beachy scents and I'm just going to purchase them. And if they don't work out, I will like sell them secondhand. The first one I'm going to buy is one I've always wanted to own, but never have. It's Bobby Brown's Beach Fragrance. Ooh. B-B-B. And then there's an Armani Aqua di Gioia. Gioia. Okay. That is, I used to wear Aqua di Gio in like high school. And apparently this is like a nice jasmine gardenia scent, which Ooh. is kind of what I'm drawn. I'm drawn to like kind of heavy. You know I like a jasmine. I know you do. I'm drawn mm. to those like thick summer beachy smells. Mm-hmm. Again, I love Bronze Goddess. It's my probably what I wear the most drawn to. So, so that's in my cart right now. That's where I'm at. Okay, wait. Side note. Yes. Have you tried any of Bobby Brown's new line, Jones Road? I haven't, but it's been brought up on this podcast. And I know like she wanted freedom, like she sold her brand yeah, and yeah, then yeah. couldn't. Yeah, she doesn't own her name. Yes. So no, I haven't. I wonder if they sell it. Have you? I have not. I'm intrigued though. Hmm. But again, it's been one of those things where I'm like, oh, I like I haven't been buying makeup mm-hmm. um but i'm intrigued by it she kind of looks like she's going for like a glossier vibe like on the website like kind of a luxe glossier okay is like, i'm getting maybe like a little bit older glossier yeah yeah like slightly older like she ha- there's a model on the home page that has gray hair oh i like that um but the aesthetic is similar. Mm-hmm. It's very simple. Yes. Well, now and I'm the intrigued. Price point, the price point is slightly higher, I would say. Okay. All right. But not as. But I don't think as high as Bobby Brown was. Can you only get Jones Road on their website? That I don't know. Hmm. But it looks like maybe. <laughs> okay. Well, now you know what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be buying Jones Road today. Well, I mean, why not? There has to be a boundary. I have to set up some sort of like (laughs) guidelines here. (laughs) Like I'm intrigued by their startup kit, which is an eye tint, an eye shadow, a pencil and a gloss. Okay. Well, listen, you know what? I'm going to, I'm actually going to say what you just said to me because you're always right. And I always come around after you should just buy it and try it and then tell us about it on the show. Oh my God, Kate, that is such a good idea. It's weird. You just had that idea <laughs> and I said no to it. And then I thought of it. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. You see yeah. how that works all yeah. the time? Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to buy it and I will report back. Okay. And I will buy the Sephora stuff and report back. I Great. want this Look little... Look at us. We figured it out. Can I say, ask one more question? Of course. Do I need Touche Clat? Okay. I used to use Touche Clat, the, the YSL, Yves Saint Laurent kind of... Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't want to call it a cult fave because it's... It's not like a cult favorite, but it's been a favorite, a longtime beauty favorite of many people. Super popular. Yes. Under I eye concealer. Say I was a little, I was underwhelmed by Touche Club. Okay. Okay. I didn't think it covered especially well. Mm. Um, I thought it wore off really quickly. Oh, no, thank you. And I was just kind of like, meh. Like, really? This is, this is, a, this is what we're getting all excited about. And it's expensive. I know it's $38. Yeah, for like a tiny little thing. So I don't know. I'm not. You there know are other we, things I would tell you to spend $38 on first. You know, it would be a fun episode, like kind of just discussing and getting this from listeners, like the cult products that made you say meh. Mm. You know, like how everybody's like, you have to have this thing. And then yeah. you get it and it's a meh for you. Mm hmm. You know what another one of those is for me? Oh, can I try to guess first? Sure. I'll give you a hint. It's a drugstore. It's a drugstore product. I don't know. Great Lash Mascara. Oh, Maybelline? Yeah. I, you know what? That was going to be my fucking guess. No. Yes. Really? Yes, because it's like an iconic drugstore product. It's iconic. And everyone's always like, just get Great Lash. Like, you don't need to spend a lot of money on a mascara. And I was like, okay. And then I was like, I don't like this. <laughs> this, this, is, this isn't good. I mean, there's your man. Exactly. Like, to each his own or her own or their own. So. I'm trying to think of what my meh would be. I mean, I was very underwhelmed by the Agostinus Bader. Batter, oh, batter. that's right. You were. And Did we ever I talk love about a, that on the show? Yeah, because it made me break out. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. And I love a thick ass cream. You and it just love was a thick ass cream. It was such a meh for me. Yeah. And that's an expensive meh. Yeah, that's the opposite of a drugstore meh. Okay. Well, I mean, if we're talking expensive mehs, you know, it was a meh for me. Vintner's daughter. Yeah. Was not a big fan. And you love vintners. I do. I love it. So. Things that make you go meh. Meh. <laughs> to the tune of CNC factories, things that make you go hmm. Hmm. <laughs> but meh. That is a great idea for an upcoming episode. Please yeah. let us know the things what that are make your you meh? go meh. But it has to be something that like people rave about. It can't just right. be something that is universally known to be meh. No, no, it has to be a legend. It has yeah. to be like the Chanel vamp ma- uh, nail polish, nail polish. or which was, like which was which was not met for me for the record. I like it too, but like, how about yeah. like the Nars? There's like a Nars red lipstick that everybody likes, or the Savora Zero One, um, like lip stain that stays on all day. Mm. I like that, but that could be a meh for somebody. I like that Nars pencil. Okay, that, not it's a like a lip pencil. Yeah, I like it's a, it's a really good lip pencil. I mean, I will say one of the most like fun and fascinating things about doing this podcast is when people are like the product that you love so much. Like I tried it and I hated it. 
I'm like, yeah. it's so it's so interesting. Like, obviously, because we're all individuals and nothing's going to be universal, but it's kind of just fun and interesting to see. Totally. So send us your pics for the send things us your that mess. make you go, meh. All right. Well, I do like how you say that as well, Dory. I... Oh, thanks. <laughs> okay. Uh, listen, so, before we take a break, I have... Oh, no, we got to get into a, this. I have a recommendation. A the name of this recommendation is the most Dory thing I've ever heard. But I say this in the in the notes. I think the name is ridiculous. I think it is a bad name. So I'm sort of insulted that you think it's a very gory name. <laughs> okay, How well, dare just, you? <laughs> just share the name. Okay, so there's a show called Last Tango in Halifax. It is on Netflix. My mom kept telling me to watch this. And like, I would say the Venn diagram of my mom and my TV taste is like, like we we have pretty overlapping tv taste but then there are some like real outliers where i'm just like no so yes kate what is an example of a show that she recommended that you were not into she okay to be fair i never watched it but but she was really into 24 the Kiefer sutherland show yes I'm telling you, there are like some random outliers. Okay. Like she's really, she was really into Elementary, the Lucy Liu show on CBS. Oh, she's Sherlock Holmes. Yes. Okay. Which, like, you could kind of see being up my alley, but also like not. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Um. But you know, she also she she's watched a lot of shows that I really like, like Friday Night Lights and Parenthood, and you know, she likes a family family drama. Sounds like she has good, I will say, like, good taste in TV, especially for the boomer generation. Like, my dad doesn't even understand television at this point. You know what? Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, like, she actually always had good taste in TV. Like, Mm. when we were growing up, um, we, like, she, we watched Fame, the TV show, which was, like, a great show. She loved St. Elsewhere. She loved NYPD Blue. I remember she watched that Linda Hamilton show, Beauty and the Beast. Do you remember that show? Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> Which, like, in retrospect, very sexual show to be showing your, like, 10-year-old. <laughs> it was the 80s. <laughs> it was the 80s. Anyway, so, yeah, she also, like, marathoned Law & Order and, in fact, texted me today about a episode of Law & Order that she was watching that featured Jeff Garland of the Goldbergs and Curb Your Enthusiasm. Anyway, um... So I was just like, okay. Oh, she also was really, she was really into that um, Michael Douglas Netflix show, The Kaminsky Method. And I was sort of like, eh, like that's, that's a little too, that feels a little too boomery to me. So I thought Last Hang on Halifax was like kind of on that side of things, like really boomery because the premise is about two old people who reunite and fall in love like they went mm-hmm. to high school together they hadn't seen each other for 60 years they find each other on facebook oh. fall in love and i was like oh that's really sweet but like yeah and i thought it was it was gonna be sort of like farcy almost <laughs> turns out i was totally wrong okay and i was finally like okay fine like literally every time we talk she'd be like have you watched last take on halifax and like i was finally like okay i will watch it so it's actually great. It is a real like British family saga with lots of fun interlocking storylines. It's like a little soapy. Okay. Um, is it sexy? 
sort of. Mm-hmm. There's no okay. sex I'm here. There's no, there's no sex, but there is um, the. Well, I don't want to give too much away. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Um, yeah. So anyway, I'm enjoying it, and in typical BBC drama fashion, each season is only six episodes, oh, so I'm really, really tearing through it. Why do the British do this to us? Uh, um, so that is my recommendation. It's it's a it's like a even Matt, who doesn't usually watch these kinds of shows, he called it charming. He also said that he was initially intrigued because he realized that everyone on the show had been in an episode of Doctor Who. (laughs) (laughs) To which I said, Doctor Who is like the British law and order. Like every British actor has been in an episode of Doctor Who. That's how it is like their law and order, isn't it? (laughs) Like everyone has made a guest appearance. He made me watch one the other day and I was like, that's Carrie Mulligan. Well, I but Last Tango in Halifax insinuates Last Tango in Paris, right? Like it's a play on that, which is yes. apparently a very sexy. It's like a very sexual film that I've I've never seen it, but I have read a Twilight yeah. fan fiction based which is, off of which it. Which is also why I think the title is not good. Okay, okay, because Got it. the show is not like overtly sexual. Interesting. I wonder why they went with that title. Me too. All right. Well, great um, recommendation. I'm, anyway, I, this kind of piques my curiosity. I think I actually think you would like it, Kate. I do. I'm sure I would. I'm. I should just get my ass in front of the TV. Okay. And I will be like my mom, and every time we talk, I'll ask you if you've watched it. Well, you I know, I did that with Call My Agent, though. You did, and I am watching it. But you know what I'm thinking is that I want to start again with Anthony. I think oh. I already said this. I feel like he would really like it, so I need to mm-hmm. pitch that to him. But mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. he's in the other room working. All right. All right. Well, let's take a break. When we come back, we are talking with Beth Pickens, who is just amazing. She just came out with a book called Make Your Art No Matter What. She calls herself an arts counselor. She basically like counsels artists on she's kind of like a life coach for artists. Mm-hmm. And I I feel like she very deliberately doesn't use the term life coach because it connotes all sorts of like weird things, but um, she works with artists to kind of help them realize their potential, I guess is the best way to put it. And she's, she has a great she, Instagram. She her gives it to amazing. you straight. Yeah. Like. She really gives it to you straight. We loved talking to her. Um, if you are in any way, shape or form an artist, you need this book. You need it. And I would say, even if you don't yet identify as an artist, yes. it really is just about like moving through your, your own like personal roadblocks and, Uh, things that stop you from doing the things you want to do in your life. Yes. It's so good. It's really good. We'll be right back. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. You know, the weather's getting warmer, so I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince, because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe 
like for the long haul without spending a fortune, I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. Quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from Quince. Ooh, Mm -hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter or, or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic intelligent people on this podcast. But I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I'd love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass. But this year, I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now, they dissect issues women face in the U.S. and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college. So, this is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm I hearing mean, those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes. Get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be Redefining feminism with Gloria Steinem. It can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss or think like a boss with Martha Stewart or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. 
Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events. There's weddings. There's nights out. It's vacations. I mean, like all the things happening in summer. And what I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling Super Power Short. The Super Power Short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that thing every day. I do too. Uh, It's my favorite Honey Love piece. Let me let me just tell you why. Yeah, get into okay, it. Do you want to tell me why? <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say like, I, I, I don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it like the event is every day of my life. Yes, that's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires. And just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, oh God, like get this off of me. <laughs> No, thank once you. you. Once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see how also, it could like, be. Yes. Also, like summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. Our guest today is the one and only Beth Pickens. Beth, we're so excited to have you on Forever 35. Oh my God. I'm so excited. I am such a fan and listener of the pod. Oh, thank you. That makes me feel really good. Um, Well, we're just going to read a quick bio so everyone knows who you are. And then we have so much to talk about. So we are just going to get right into it. Um, Beth is a consultant for artists and arts organizations and specializes in supporting queer and trans artists, women and artists of color. She's the author of Make Your Art No Matter What. Uh, which just came out. And her previous book is Your Art Will Save Your Life, which came out in 2018. And Beth is the host of the popular podcast, Mind Your Practice. She lives with her wife and many pets in Los Angeles. There's so much to talk about your book, but you know, we do always like to open our discussions with our guests by asking them about a self-care practice that they have. And I feel like you talk about so many self-care practices in your book, but I'm just wondering what you have been doing that brings you some degree of calm or peace or joy? Mm-hmm. Um, I ha- I mean, I do a lot of different things. Not some, some with more regularity than others. Some disappear, come back. Uh, I have my whole cocktail of physical things that I do, which in Southern California has been like the mainstay for the past year. But honestly, the thing that has impacted me the most during COVID 
is this daily death ritual that I'm so surprised. This is the thing that I keep coming back to over and over and over again. But um, it, it's this like confluence of death, the death positive movement, plus a thing that my rabbi has us do every year after the high holy days. And it all came together as every day I take a moment, a pause and write something down, reminding myself that I'm going to die, that I have to die. And it is the most grounding thing to liberate me from whatever garbage is like hanging me up or weighing me down or making me feel crazy or spin out or whatever worries. It's just like this momentary pause that liberates me from myself. Can I ask a question of what an example might be of what you would write? You don't have to cite something that you I don't want to get into your personal business, but I'm curious, like what would be if someone's inspired to try this, AKA me, what would be like an example of a daily written thing? Um, one example might be, I, I use that app we croak that tells you five times a day that you're going to die and it's different quotes you can click on and they're about death. And there's some really good quotes in there and some dumb ones. So maybe wow. it'll be a really good quote about death and I'll write mm. that down. Sometimes it's literally something like I'll realize, Oh, I won't have memories after I die. Or my leg, my legs won't move or just sort of these like inch by inch through my body and experience. Just I won't speak languages anymore. I won't learn languages anymore. These revelations are they're just momentary pauses. And that really helps me turn down again, just like whatever's tripping me up. This sounds like a form of uh, exposure therapy almost. Because I like I I have anxiety and I I do uh, cognitive behavioral therapy with my therapist and like this is something we've done about like if I'm really catastrophizing something and I feel like mm. the thing we probably all catastrophize the most is that we're gonna die and like just right. hearing you mention these things of like your legs not moving or not speaking languages I can feel myself mm-hmm. get like anxious and so it must feel so good to just like that a weird kind of like itch scratching good to sit with yeah. those things and really start to to face it. Whew. It's been it's really it's really helpful and I've been on this sort of death acceptance kick kick. <laughs> My new kick is death acceptance. I've been on this for about 6 5 or 6 years and um it's done so many different things for me. I had my brother very suddenly die a few years ago, Mm. and that was enormously helpful. And it's just like a daily contemplative thing that just helps ground everything else. And it, it it makes everything else work better. All the other things I do, I I use cognitive behavioral therapeutic interventions with my clients. I love CBT. I love I, anything. It's in your book. With your thinking yeah, it's in your book and a your lot. Feelings. <laughs> yes, I'm deep CBT. My other well, back piece. And the the final chapter of your book is death and God. <laughs> Which was not in the proposal to chronicle books. I mean, that might have been a surprise. <laughs> surprise. But I, love that. I just thought, what do I really talk? Because the premise of this book is every chapter is things that my clients grapple with. And I just want to mm. tell the truth of these are the things that my clients grapple with and what we do with them. And death and, and spiritual practice are enormous because they're just human. And it's also throughout art history, the central topics that artists have been grappling with is death and God. Yeah. And as you were talking about your daily death practice, it, it also it, it reminded me of your chapter on fear, which I just I thought it was so that was such a profound chapter. I mean, everything in your book is profound, but this chapter in particular, I was just like, oh, yes. And I know this is kind of a big question, and it is something you touch on in your book, but for our listeners, how 
do you suggest that people navigate fear? Yeah, it's, I like to use, um, first, just becoming aware, awareness, acceptance, action, there's three things that float around 12 step programs all the time. Mm. And with fear, first, it takes so long to become aware of fear, because some Mm -hmm. of them are so baked into our consciousness that it can take years to identify like, oh, my God, that's a fear I've had all this time. It wasn't just truth. So identifying Mm. first awareness and the second is acceptance. Like, well, this doesn't mean I'm a bad person or a weak person. I'm just a human person and we all have fear. And in fact, if I tell somebody else about it, they'll probably tell me, yeah, I've had that fear too, or I also have the same fear. And then action. And and the action is usually a contrary action. So if the fear is stopping you from doing something or making you do something compulsively that's harmful, the contrary action is just doing the opposite of what that fear says to see how it lands and see what happens. But it's just, it's a gentle thing. Cause I I think the world teaches you're supposed to like batter fear out of you or get rid of it. We're not going to get rid of it. We just have fear. We're just humans. We're just afraid. Yeah. And that reminds me of something else that you wrote. I wish I'd written down this quote, but it's something like your thoughts are not the truth. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine like, all the things I think if they were actually true? What a yeah. horrific world. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, I'd never thought about it that way. But of course, you're right. I mean, those things that are always going through our brains, like, of course, not everything that we think is is the truth. So I don't know. Yeah. It just, just really spoke to me. I'm, I, you know, I know your book is for artists, but... I think a lot of our listeners might not necessarily identify as artists, but, you know, one of the things that you write about is how just because you're not being paid to do your art does not mean you're not an artist. And I I think that idea is something that our listeners will identify with. Um, Uh, I mean, we can identify with it, too. Yeah. But it also goes against kind of every, you know, capitalist side hustle glorifying instinct um, in our contemporary brains. But it is such an important mindset shift. And how can people kind of make this shift? And again, I know you talk about this in your book, but I'd love for you to kind of expand on it um, a little bit. Right. I think a lot of people are artists, certainly writers are artists. I think a lot of people are under this umbrella, as I understand them, who don't identify with it for a lot of different reasons that are usually mm-hmm. cultural. Um, and I understand artists, just my quick and dirty definition in my professional life is it's people who have a profound, deep need to make the things that they make. And that can manifest through so many different disciplines or beyond our language of what a discipline is. But it's people, from my point of view, that if they stop doing that thing, their life quality deteriorates. And I know because I see it in hundreds of people every year that Mm. if they stop doing their creative practices, whatever they are, they feel ungrounded, unmoored, detached from themselves. And when they return to them, they feel better. And that's different from the rest of the world. Like That's different from me. It's different from other people who aren't artists who don't have that fundamental need. And so whatever the language a person uses or don't or doesn't use, I think that can we can sort of like get to that next. But the first thing is whatever the practices you are that connect you to yourself creatively through some form of creation, even if it's not permanent, that thing has a value in your life that is bigger than money. And I love money. You'll notice there's a money piece of artwork Mm -hmm, hanging behind me. And I want all of my clients to have all of the money because they can do so many wonderful things with money. 
but that its primary value is it's going to make your life better in all ways. And then we can talk about, okay, if you want to professionalize and monetize, what do we do? But that even if it never does, even if your creative practice never earns you money, can we take the pressure off of that because it's doing these other essential functions? And maybe you do lots of other things in your life that do bring in money. And it's not to say it never will, but lots of people, their work never brings them any money or it doesn't bring them how much they think it should. In fact, for most people, it probably never brings what they think it should. Mm. And yet, if they stop doing it, their life would suck. So it's, it's this value that is so much more important than this other very important thing, which is money. How do you... One one thing we hear a lot from listeners who are passionate about a creative pursuit, but feel like it's too late. They don't know how to start. It's already been done. All all these things come up. These are feelings I've had, Dory. I'm sure you've had them too. Mm-hmm. What do you say to someone who is um who wants to do it but is kind of tripping themselves up with reasons not to, or like they've already decided it's not worth it before trying? Oh yeah, and that's first of all, those are just ubiquitous feelings that artists who already have careers have those feelings right. and thoughts everyone, too. Everyone, yeah, totally everyone normal. Feels that. The piece about it's too late for me, I hear that from artists who are 27 and I hear it from people in their 50s and 60s, like <laughs> it's too late for me is what our culture tells us about everything. Like yeah. whatever it is, it's too late. You, the ship has sailed. And I I send people directly to go look at artists who didn't get started till their 60s or 70s. Mm. Go listen. There's mm. a really wonderful podcast called Two Old Bitches. And it's these fantastic <laughs> feminist workers who have a lifetime of feminist movement work. And they just interview their friends who are 60, 70, 80, 90, talking about how they keep reinventing themselves. And there's tons of artists there. It's sort of like if we could liberate ourselves from this dominant culture of what age means, then we can see there was nothing behind it. And I was I heard I listened to the first half of your today's podcast where you were talking about this concept of like unhooking from what you're supposed to do by certain ages. Like when we get behind that billboard and realize there's nothing there, then it's like you can have 20 more lives in your lifetime. Mm. So the, the thing of like, it's too late for me. It's never too late for anything barring things that are physical. Like I am not going to be a professional athlete. I am 42. It's probably not going to happen. Though my cousin, my first cousin that I grew up with, she qualified for the, for the Olympic trials at 42 as a runner, as a marathon runner. What? At 42. Yeah. As a mother of three, full-time nurse, mother, um, wow. Marathon runner. So I don't know. Maybe that's a narrative I have about myself, but like, okay, so age, we just got to unplug from that. That's just, patriarchy telling us lies and the other things of like i hear that one a lot too of it's already been done and i like to tell everybody everything's already been done you don't have to come up with anything new ever Mm. everything's been done under the sun you are relieved from the burden and pressure of inventing a new thing instead you just have to get at whatever truth is inside of you because that's the thing that's distinct your life has Mm. only happened to you from your frame of reference and you're the expert of your experience but it doesn't have to be new. Like humans, there's billions of us. There's no new thing. It doesn't have to be. There's the thing that you have to say. And when you say it, you are going to have a better experience. You're going to have a better life. And then when you share it, you're going to help somebody else move through life too. That was something I really wrestled with because I have a memoir coming out at the end of June about being a late bloomer. And in the middle of writing it, I was like, who am I to write this book? Like... I'm not the first late bloomer, nor will I be the last, but like people have been writing about this. Like, and I had this real sort of existential crisis about 
what I was doing and whether I, you know, deserved to write this book. Um, so, and, and and thank God you did. Thank God you did. Thank you. Because that is going to go on to impact all of your readers. You're joining a, you're joining by you contributing to this, these truly human themes by putting your voice in this chorus you're part of this long lineage of people grappling with this and then Mm -hmm. all your readers are going to have such me included we're going to have such a great experience of reading this book that we would not have had if you weren't willing to push past that fear and that who am i like how dare i totally normal totally normal yeah i loved what you wrote about um people thinking that like they should kind of cede the floor to other people that they don't that you know they shouldn't be the ones to like take the grant or have the the show or whatever mm-hmm. and and you're like well someone's going to do it <laughs> you know <laughs> like yeah if you don't yeah, do it someone else is going to do totally. it and like why shouldn't it be you yeah it's the asshole theory if you take yourself out of the running and then some asshole gets it you're going to be really mad totally yes yes i love that you said that i i, I that was such a good point ooh yeah that's all i want to say made me feel good. So we're just going to take a short break and we will be right back. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid forties, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad. They're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory. Mm, okay. Which is okay. I know. visible on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, OneSkin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like creppiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel, I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, Mm. refreshed. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their Mm -hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here Mm -hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving. That sun is coming at us at all times. OneSkin believes the Amen. purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. And please support our show and tell them we sent you. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, we're back. So the first theme you explore in your book is time. And one of the conclusions that you came to is one that I think I think a lot of people, especially creative people, came to realize over lockdown that, you know, these like large blocks of unstructured free time are in fact, like not conducive to making art or really much of anything else. Um, and I, I was hoping you could talk a little bit about how to create structure, whether or not we're in a pandemic and how creating that structure can be a source of calm and self-care. Mm, yeah, I would obviously write that chapter so differently now after the pandemic. This book was written in 2019, so there's no whisper of COVID in it, which maybe yeah. is great. <laughs> but the it, it's the the myth I hear from so many artists and writers is I just need a giant block of time. And then yeah. they'll get it, usually like through a, a writer's retreat or a colony or something. And then when they get there, they often contact me and they're like, I need a session immediately. I'm so overwhelmed. I don't know how to do this. I feel like I've already blown it. All of the anxiety comes up when we get out of our routines, whatever they are, whether they're helpful or not helpful routines. So unstructured time for most people, not all, but for most people is actually not that helpful. It seems exciting. And then when they get into it, it's an immense amount of pressure that they put on it. And I find with all of my clients they do better when they have a shape or a structure to the week. And they can you know, use whatever language they relate to. Sometimes structure feels too hard-edged for people. So we'll talk about a shape. What's a shape of your week? Mm. What are the different parts that you get to throughout it? And we start with all of my clients. I like to look at their lives really holistically. And I ask them to consider right from the bat, like what's going on with you creatively, professionally, financially, spiritually, and in terms of relationships to yourself and other people, because all of these different parts have to be tended to. They're not going to be mm -hmm. tended to with the same frequency every day throughout the week, but they, if anything's getting ignored, it can throw things out of harmony. And so I, I'm not usually an advocate of you're going to go into lockdown and write for three days for nine hours a day, and then boom, you'll have something done. I think tiptoeing into structure is a little bit more sustainable. So for people who don't have structure, the first thing we would do is give them very light structure. Like you're just going to do this thing for 20 minutes, and then you're going to take a break and do a different thing. But small chunks to re-enter things to do. That adage, that very annoying but true adage of, if you want something done, ask a busy person. It's really true. I, mm. I know for myself, whenever I have blocks of time off that maybe I, I even created for myself, suddenly one errand feels like too many. I'm like, how will I ever get that errand done? I only have 10 hours. But when I'm busier and have time allotted to different things, priorities become clearer and I'm more willing to get out of my head and just like go do the next thing. So unstructured time, the pandemic, also for people who've said to themselves for the past year, I had all this time and I didn't do anything with it, oh, or I should yeah. have accomplished A, B, and C. I, 
really like to remind me and everyone else, it wasn't cool time. We weren't at McDowell together. We were in a global pandemic. It was a trauma. It wasn't right. cool bonus time. Yeah. And people react to trauma in different ways. And for a lot of people, anxiety and depression got turned way up. And of course, that means you're not going to like finish your opus. Yes. And I, I also think like we're in the kind of capitalistic society that we live in, we're given such little time off to relax that we view any downtime as the opportunity to go do another thing to like quote unquote be productive right like that was such a conversation throughout this um this the quarantine which is obviously still ongoing but you know like oh i didn't do anything i wasn't productive and and there's never just like an acceptance of just sitting around right like it's a what if I read a book and nobody knew about it? Yeah. <laughs> well, that that leads to something that you talk about, which is the phone. Mm. And you make a great point, which is that smartphones have only been around for like 13, 14 years. Like the first smartphone came out in 2007. It's not as if we <clears throat> haven't lived without these before. But yet right now it feels like we can not. Um, and they are a major distraction and a major challenge in creating uh what are some tips that you give people for dealing with our phones Mm. yeah i mean talk about generation catalano we didn't have we didn't have smartphones till our saturn return we really like came of age before before an iphone um the the phone is a tool but we often turn it into something for distraction and self-harm me included and by me by we i mean like every person who's ever held one toddler to elder yeah, I think I really to go back to the what to do about time. Truly, the first thing I ask people to do when it comes to time and this relates to cell phones is I ask them first to pick the day off every week that they're not going to work for money or for their art. I actually start by building first. What's your day off from being that kind of worker? And you know, we're worker in other ways, like parents and caregivers and cleaning our house and clean, cleaning our bodies. But choosing the time when we're not doing that, that's how we orient then the work week. And on that day, I would tell people, can you refrain from using your phone or parts of it that you have a troubled relationship to, like Mm. social media or games or whatever thing is um, a numbing tactic? And so on the day off, I would advocate, or days, if people can do it, but I would advocate people choose things that are restorative instead of numbing and sort of pulling out what are those two distinct categories. There's the things I do to numb and check out. And there's a purpose for those, but they need to end. And then there's the things I do that are actually restful and restorative. And those are very distinct from the numbing activities. And I think things with the phone very quickly become numbing, checked out activities. And on your day off when you're resting, I don't want you to be numb. I want you to be resting. So I ask people to like take a day from all of or just portions of your phone. Then mm-hmm. I don't know if you all read that book that came out a couple years ago, How to Break Up with Your Cell Phone. Yes. And it was. Yeah. We had the author. Was, we had her. On we had her. Oh, she, she was on mm-hmm. here. Oh, I got to go listen yeah. to that. I loved it because I liked that it was just a resetting. It wasn't like get rid of your phone forever, although yep. you could. You could go back to a flip phone or something, but it was really just at any point we can reset. I, after my book comes out, because I have to feed the beast of social media a lot right, right now, and I right. can feel the toll it's taking on me. And I'm already like, come June, I'm taking off Instagram for the summer, off completely. I need a like a refresh of it all. But so it's like with the phone, 
artists tell me so many useful different things. Some of them, if they go work at a different place, like a studio or a room in their house, they just won't bring the phone or they turn it off completely. Turning it off completely is actually a very magical intervention. Mm. If it's just off completely, (laughs) um, that is really helpful. I had a client who used to put her cell phone in an envelope in her studio and seal the envelope. And then when she was done with work for that day she would open the envelope oh i love that we we had a um an author on recently who had a lock box and would lock her phone i heard that i love that i was like that's brilliant the envelope is really fun because then it's like you get a little treat at the end of the day i don't know why that like just that action really for people who love mail that'll really hit those endorphins yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i want to oh go ahead I wanted to ask, um, because I noticed you, what I really liked about your acknowledgments, which I always read, is that you mentioned mentioned communities and um, things that I think are part of your self-care practice. And so I, and I thought it was really cool that you acknowledged them in that space, because so often it's just like kind of listing professional support. But you thanked Pony Sweat, which is a really wonderful, inclusive dance community here in Los Angeles. And you also mentioned ASMR and the makers of ASMR YouTube videos. Um, and and that, then their nails also is re- referenced in your book, too, as a really great touch point. It's like a thing you know that you've paid attention to on social media. So I would just I would love to hear about um, about those things and about the role of community in your self-care. Oh, yeah. Well, it takes it takes a village to do anything, including write a book. It takes a lot of people to move through life in a satisfying Mm, way. (laughs) mm. And I think to do really big things, big things in our lives and hard things in our lives, sometimes those are the same, sometimes they're not. Like we we need and can have community that helps that. And so for when I was writing this book, Definitely my Jewish community going to temple, definitely my body care community like Pony Sweat and my yoga teacher who's a good friend of mine and different communities that could sort of help draw me out of the brain that I had to go into to write, which, you know, you have to sort of go in deep inside of yourself. And that can be an unpleasant place to have to sit for long periods of time. And then you come out of it and you're sort of a weirdo who doesn't know how to talk. And then you return to your community and have these different parts of you activated. But community, it's, I'm very, I really advocate for everybody listening to think about particularly as we're on the maybe tail end of the comet of the pandemic, where are you in relationship to community? Where do you want to turn that up? There's so many different Mm. ways to find it. But the more people we have in our lives, the more security we have. I think that's what can replace the insecurity of financial fear. That's where we can really build security is when we have community that we're giving to and receiving from. And ASMR, those those. Women, it's all women that whose channels yeah. I watch, but none of them know me, but they were so important to me writing my book. When I couldn't listen to music or anything else, but I needed something soothing, I could just listen to them gently tapping different textured surfaces. Mm. And it brought me so much relief and comfort and willingness to keep going, doing this thing that sometimes in writing a book, you're just like, am I a crazy person? What am I doing right now? Is yeah. nobody's ever going to read this? This is utter garbage. And But just their gentle tapping on different surfaces would keep me going. God bless ASMR. Mm. I love, I love that you, I love that. And, and I've never thought about writing to ASMR, but that's a really uh, kind of an intriguing idea. Yeah. I'm intrigued as well. Um, 
Beth, can we talk a little bit about your your kind of career path? Uh, you have a you have a master's degree in counseling, right? Yes, in counseling yes. psychology. Yeah. So how did you then come to focus on artists in your practice? Mm. I I went to school in, in counseling psychology partially because I'd gotten an undergraduate degree in English, which yielded me nothing. <laughs> and I was like, uh-oh, if I go to grad school, it better lead to a job. And I was working full time at a university in a women's center where I'd gone to undergrad. And there was a really strong counseling program there. And so I thought, gosh, this I have these natural inclinations in this way. I can get a tuition discount working full time and going to grad school here. So I decided to pursue that because it also seemed like I would like it and job would be at the end, tangible Mm -hmm. jobs, which English did not. And so I went through this degree program. And on the other side, I felt very clearly that I needed to go live in San Francisco. I needed to go be in Mm -hmm. a giant Mm -hmm. queer capital after living in a red state for the past 10 years. And so I moved to San Francisco and I took a job there in health and human services that my master's degree helped me get. But what I wanted to do was be in the queer art world. That's all I really wanted. I just wanted to be with the artists, musicians, and writers who'd been making the queer content that helped me understand my life for the past 10 years. And so when I got there, I very quickly pivoted because I realized I only Mm. want to work in the arts and with artists. That's all I want to do. Everything else burns me out. Reproductive justice work, working at universities, nonprofits, everything else burns me out. But art never did. Ever, ever, ever. And even though there are some terrible parts of it. So I pivoted and was working for different arts organizations. And one of the things I did was help start a queer artist and writers retreat that lasted for five years. And I was the person who did all of the administration behind the scenes, the driving, picking up artists, cooking, all of the admin, fundraising. And while we were having the first year of this retreat, all the artists were talking about their professional fears and challenges and their own internal things going on. And my ears perked up because I was like, I have this dormant master's degree with all this student loan debt. Wait a second. I could help them. I know what they're, I could help them. I have the skills to help them with this. And I work in the arts. So I started this consulting practice that integrated, that just brought these two things together, my counseling training and all of my experience in the arts. And just started working with artists one at a time to help them understand, like, so how do you forge a path? How do you make money? What's the equation of being alive and having a practice? How do I do any of this? This job of being an artist also makes me question myself in a deep way that being an, a bookkeeper might not. And so um, that's how this thing started 11 years ago. And then what came out of it, writing books and teaching and all these other things, these are sort of like efforts to make my services more widely available. Because I can only see, you know, about 60 or so clients at any given time. And so I thought all these other things I can do can sort of get to more people. Hmm. And the rest is history. Yeah. And the rest is history. (laughs) And then I moved to, uh, it's funny, me at 35 is, that's exactly when I moved to LA from San Francisco. Oh, wow. So, Beth, before we wrap up, we need to know, what is your skincare and makeup routine? And I'm also curious about your hair because you have beautiful, you have a, a very lovely cut. So <laughs> please, please let us know what you're doing. Yes. And you did, you did share that you were in the bathroom getting some makeup on before. Oh, yeah. I talk, did a so. full beat. I was like, I'm yeah. going to be looking at people, <laughs> put some makeup on. <laughs> um, I I ascribe to something I call friends older sister planned 
products. It's my friend Maya, her older sister, who I've never met and has ever seen my skin or my hair or anything. She tells Maya what to do with products. Maya then tells me. And that oh, is how is I go through. <laughs> it's just Maya's Amazing. older sister I've never met, which is how I've done. Like, you know, I had a bout of of the um, Korean skincare method and then getting on various Paula's Choice products and just like the whole train, whatever her older sister's doing is what I try to. So it's recommendations and podcasts. It's like whatever you're on podcasts. Love it. Which makes sense because I was a tween who read YM seventeen and teen. I'm just looking for yeah. women to tell me like, here's what to do. Use these things, and I, then I, I love, try them. I love the idea of the older sister too because I feel like like for us as people who grew up as kids in the eighties, we looked to like our friends with older siblings for resources in terms of like what's cool, what do we do? Yeah, like I have a zit totally. or like you know like I'm t- like that's that was. Yes like our TikTok in so many ways. Oh, for sure. How so, much sea breeze is too much sea breeze? Oh, Ask someone's older sister. Never enough. Um, what what are some of your current <laughs> favorite products? Because you mentioned um, Paula's Choice, which I'm actually I'm actually dabbling in a Paula's Choice toner right now. I go in and out with Paula's Choice. I, I like about every fifth product. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I, I won't throw anything away, I, it's like I have to use the whole bottle. So I'll be in something for three to six months before I'm like, finally, that's out of my life. Unless I'm allergic, I just won't get rid of it. But I got a free sample of something that is so good from Paula's Choice. It's the Essential Glow Moisturizer, SPF 30. I don't even know if I love it as sunscreen or moisturizer, but the glow is really nice. I think I like it just as the shimmer that puts on my face. Love that. So that I'm really enjoying. I think I'm actually going to order it when my sample is gone. And an L.A brand that I love by a woman of color in LA named Gloria Noto. She has this brand called Noto, N-O-T-O. And I love her products. I love her cosmetics and serums. My friend Anne got me hooked on those. And I love that everything is for multiple things. Like it's for your face and hair. It's a, it's a cosmetic Mm. and for all of everything has multiple uses and it's very a gender, which I appreciate too. Mm -hmm. It's not sort of hyper feminized. And it smells really good. Everything she makes smells so good. And then this other thing, I have on my sushi boat of brands that kind of go in and out of my life, I've come back around to Peter Thomas Roth that I used to use a ton of and then disappeared for years from my life. And then I've come back around to, and I got the Potency Bright and Plump Moisturizer. And I really like how it is hydrating my skin. (laughs) And then truly, if I think about one cosmetic that I always have had for years, and this is a deep shout out to the Burbank airport, which I miss dearly and I can't wait to fly in and out of again. I know what you are about to say. That benefit vending machine. What is a better thing to go visit than the benefit (laughs) vending machine at the Burbank airport? I can like see it in my head. I'm drawn to it every time I fly out of that airport. Oh, I salivate. I associate it now with like fun trip. Oh, I'm going yeah. to the airport. I get to get a cosmetic out of the what? vending machine. Is there a favorite that you get out of the cosmetic uh, vending machine? Benetton. Benetton. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Cheeks and lips. Sometimes if I have nothing else and I feel like I look awful and I'm out in the world or I'm at home staring in the mirror, just the swipe of that on my cheeks and my lips. And I'm like, I'm a star. In this moment, I'm a star. <laughs> that vending machine, it makes me salivate to think about it. Uh. 
Whoever thought of putting cosmetics in a vending machine is like a true innovator because I, I the second you said that, I was like, oh yeah, I love that feeling of like, just knowing there's a possibility to access cosmetics. I don't know. Yeah, what and it there's is. nothing to do in that airport. There's nothing interesting. So I, I just stare at it looking like it's a candy machine for so long. And I'll think, what new thing should I try that I'll take? I'll go on this trip and have a, be a new person with this new cosmetic. I love that vending machine. Ugh. A landmark. A landmark here in the Los Angeles area. <laughs> uh, well, Beth, this has been... So great to talk to you. I, I there were so many. I feel like there were so many other things we could have talked to you about because your book is so wonderful. Everything you do is so great. We didn't even get to Homework Club, um, which is your, uh, I don't know, service. Yeah, my subscription, subscription, subscription. service. More of my yes, hijinks. Monthly yes. hijinks with me. Monthly hijinks. <laughs> uh, people pay fifteen dollars a month for worksheets, Workshops audio content, and homework. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's something you can pods. sign up with with Beth um, on her website, uh, which reminds me, Beth, where can people find you? Oh, yes. I am at BethPickens.com and I'm on Instagram until the summer <laughs> at <laughs> Beth Pickens Consulting. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I, uh, in case our listeners couldn't tell, Beth's book is amazing. You must purchase it um thank oh, you whether so much, you consider so much. yourself an artist or not it's it it has yes. it's just great life advice yes agreed thank you i your your support means so much oh, oh thank, thank you. you so much beth i think the only beef i have with beth's book is like why didn't she write it for me five to 10 years ago as well as now. I mean, it's always useful, but like I could have used it five years ago. Oh, I agree. I mean, I did the artist's way in my like early mid twenties and I did find it helpful, but I think I would have found this more helpful. Same. I, I totally agree. So. I, I, I love reading it now though. I mean, cause I think the, the plight of the, of anybody really, but you never fully believe in yourself, right? It's not like you ever reach yeah. a point where you're like, now I believe, you know, like you're always in that vicious cycle of self-doubt and worthlessness. <laughs> that sounds really yeah low, but you know what I mean? We all get there sometimes. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, that actually reminds me of what, I, what my intention for this week is. But before I get to that, I want to say that my intention for last week, which was to clean off my desk, did not happen. But I did manage to have a minor panic attack about the amount of stuff in our house and told Matt that he needed to like move some stuff out of my office. I was okay. like, it's my office. Why is all your stuff in here? What was in it? Like, what kind of stuff? Well, first of all, like half of his guitars live in here, which was like oh boy. negotiated and okay. they just live here, which is fine. But then like he's gotten really into Legos. You have so a husband like, these- who has f- deep physical hobbies. My like, husband. He- yes. Like he's yes, a person yes, yes. who I feel like is very tactile. His hobbies are all like they all involve objects but not in yes. like an inanimate way like he actually does stuff yes. i don't know and if he's I'm also like an obsessive person so when he gets into something he gets like super into it and has That's to right. be like a completist mm-hmm. so now we have so many legos in our house and he just keeps buying lego sets and i'm like when will this end and i was like you <laughs> have to get these out of my office 
You are so like what we what I can't see right now in this video chat is that you are surrounded by Lego structures. Well, the completed ones are on his side of the dresser in our bedroom, and they were like creeping onto my side, and I was like, "Eh, -eh, get them out of here!" And so those Legos off. Yeah, he bought a little shelf to put on top of the dresser. Anyway, whatever. Point is, I didn't clean off my desk. My intention this week is to post a picture of myself on Instagram. Oh, Dory, I love this so much. I might cry. Because you know how I feel about pictures of myself. I know. As we were talking about Beth and her book, this is something that is, like, very scary for me. So can you explain? I don't know if our listeners have ever really heard this about you. Oh, that I hate pictures of myself? Yeah. But it's not just like, I, I don't like it. it. You know, it's like a, it's yeah, something yeah. that you, that is, um, it's something that has gravity for you. Yes, 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 yes. And I write about it a bit in my book. And I had author photos taken recently and I, like, they were fine. Dory. I'm going to, like, come through the computer and poke you. (laughs) I've seen them. They're so good. Thank you. Um, Oh, my gosh. Like, I haven't posted it because I've been sort of, like, I don't know, like, weird about it. There is a meme going around that was something about, like, uh, being, like, someone who takes, like, 500 selfies before they find, like, the one that they can post. And I was like, this resonates with me deeply. (laughs) Do you know which photo you're going to put on your Instagram? Yeah, I think I'm going to put the one that I chose for my author photo. Oh, I'm so excited for you. I I know what a big deal that is for you, but also the photos are so good. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I might, because we're recording this, bef- obviously, before it airs, just for the audience's awareness i just fyi might post it before this airs so i just want just want to know go over to at dory on instagram yeah anyway enough about me kate mm. how are you doing what are what's going on in the intention zone okay well last week i wanted to start the purging of the clothes and the toys the getting rid of the moving out of and unfortunately like I haven't, I've been doing it like half-assed, which is not the way to do it. Like every time I go into my closet and I'm like, oh, there's a thing I need to get rid of. I like pull it out and I put it Mm -hmm. in a big box that's sitting in my bedroom. But I just need to go in and really viciously eliminate things that are not bringing me joy Mm. or just that aren't working that I don't wear and I want to sell them. And then I want to use that money to buy things that I do want to wear right now. You know, like stuff that I bought three years ago, four years ago, my body's changed. My style's changing. The world has changed. Yep. You know, I have like five button down made well short sleeve collared shirts that like, that's just not me anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But bye bye. But they're just sitting there. So I don't know. I need to be, I need to really like dedicate some time to it. And it's also hard for me mentally to do that when I'm, when in my brain, I'm keep telling myself I'm supposed to be working. Like it's mm-hmm. hard for me to be like, I should take two hours and go to my closet. So anyway, I have to, that's a thing I have to get over. So I'm going to continue that this week is my intention. But then I also need to put stuff away. There mm. is, 
a lot of stuff everywhere. My mm-hmm. bathroom counter is just littered with products. There's just like, I took the tags off of a shirt and then I didn't throw the tags away and they've just lived on my dresser for two months. Like, it's just that. Like, what is that? <laughs> Why do I do that? Mm-hmm. There's just so much stuff on everything. Mm-hmm. So that's an intention. Also, you know what another intention is? Last night, lying in bed, my husband was like, can you give me another serum? And I was like, what? He's like, you gave me some stuff to put on my face and I'm all done with it. I guess it was a... Well, 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 well. It was a moisturizer. Mr. Spencer. Hello. (laughs) So another intention I have this week is to find him, go shopping in my own closet and find him a nice uh, face cream. That's what he wanted. He didn't know that's what he wanted, but it is. So. How exciting. You know, Anthony King's got to moisturize. Love it. Well, we've covered a lot of ground. When do we not? It's true. Uh, listen, everyone, Forever 35 is hosted and produced by me, Dori Shafrir, and Kate Spencer, and produced and edited by Sammy Junio. Sam Reed is our project manager. Our network partner is ACAST. We will talk to you all again very soon. Bye. Bye.